Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Frankie San, and you're listening to Video Nice Plus on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Um, I did another little uh, preview, uh, a test run, because I'm using a different mic set. Um, handset, should I say. Anyway, and I made some other announcements on the last show. Uh, so what I'm going to do this time is going right into movie reviews and the box office, because there's a big... The big box office showdown, and what's happening is uh, Magic Mike and Terminator Genesis are going head to head, and we still got holdovers of Inside Out and Jurassic World with Ted 2 on the bottom of the top five. Okay, and right now Variety Magazine uh, just came up with an article today, and they're already they're predicting the box office uh, uh, predictions already. I mean, it's not even Saturday. You know, people going to go Saturday or they're going to stay home and watch the 4th of July on TV? Or for those in New York, New York State and New York City area, actually go out and see the fireworks instead of seeing a movie? Remember when uh, um, Avengers Ultron came out and they said, well, everybody, uh, the, uh, the box up was off because everybody decided to stay home and uh, watch the boxing match. And it really didn't matter because people really didn't want that site for Ultron with the mixed reviews. Uh so they might try to uh, come up with that excuse. I mean, the fireworks is only one hour. People will see uh, those skipping eight o'clock showing. They they'll catch up with the ten ten thirty showing. But already, Verity is coming out saying, uh, "Believe um, that, it looks like Jurassic World and Inside Out are both going to be leading." Uh, and then uh, Magic, the Magic Mike is probably going to be Terminator, and Tattoo will probably be in the bottom five. But uh, you know. Already the predicting uh, is uh, the actual showdown is between Inside Out and Jurassic Park. I, I keep saying Jurassic Park. From now on, I'm going to say J-World. Because every time I say Jurassic, automatically I say uh, Jurassic Park. As a matter of fact, um, our last show, Eminem, uh, we're going to have back-to-back shows on, uh, on these radio shows. Now, this system is finally working. And we're taking, uh, as a matter of fact, we're supposed to do a show tomorrow, Eminem, that's a live program show, and the studios are closed. Uh, so I won't be back till July 18th. So we're going to have back-to-back shows on uh, Black Talk Radio, and then Talk Show Radio uh, will premiere next Saturday. And eventually, uh, the reason is uh, because eventually uh, the talk shows are going to be more f- uh, frequent, and I'll be doing the shows live uh, Saturday. Um, but, you know, with that being said, uh, we're going to have another continuation on this um, in, a, in a couple of days. Then next week, probably like a Tuesday or Wednesday, to see what the final results are. But I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just amazed that already is already coming out. Um, you know, saying, okay, the winner is. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when I was seeing the live shows, uh, we have the live show on our website, and also on our, uh, if you missed it, I'm saying, also on our YouTube site. Brilliant Express is on YouTube. You know our website, BrilliantExpress.com. And of course the the blog page. 
where today I posted uh, the article from Variety Magazine. Um, and you can get to that blog site. Well, actually, you Google, you can get the, the website, the blog, and YouTube site. Or you can go to our website and you hit the link for the blog there. Beware the blog. Uh, that's a, a little inside pun in the movie that uh, Samuel, J Samuel L. Jackson just did. Um, I, I believe it's going into post-production. And it's called The Blob, a remake of the classic 1953, I believe, with Steve McQueen. I'm looking at uh, the Couturian Collection on Blu-ray. 1958, excuse me, 1958. Okay. Um, he's going to do a remake of that. Of course, when you go to, um, when I post on the blog, I, I post a lot of uh, different uh, movie sites. You know, they have articles and stuff like that. And one of them that you keep seeing is Samuel Jackson with the big game. Um, that's talk about way over the top. Okay, in case you don't want to see any of these movies, you're kind of curious of uh, VOD, Home Demand, or Netflix. I think it's going to show up soon. Or Redbox. Uh, the big game. Samuel Jackson. He plays the president. All I can say is two for Tuesday, and most of the films like, yeah, right. Oh, come on. I mean, way over the top. It's fun if you're a Jackson fan. It's two for Tuesday. I figured I'd just mention that because somebody asked me, have you seen that movie? Because it's posted all, those, all those articles that you keep putting up. Yep, 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 yep. But a quick review on that. So, and another review I made um, last time, um, I got this movie from the public library. Uh, Elliot Gould, who was really big in MASH back in the early 70s, he was part of uh, the Ocean Eleven group. He was to do with the big classes. Okay, he did a film called uh, Long Goodbye, directed by Robert Oldman. Robert Oldman was a big um, improv director, you should say, back in the 70s. Anyway, this is one of the first films that Arnold Schwarzenegger ever did, um, sporting a mustache and kind of long hair. Um, I think it's about 50 minutes, 50 minutes in, into the middle of the movie, you get to see him. Uh, with his mustache and stuff like that. So I got this from the library. So maybe it's on Netflix or somewhere. Uh, you want to check it, maybe Hulu or whatever. And you get to see a very young Arnold Schwarzenegger with a mustache. Very interesting. Considering he plays a very old Terminator in this movie. And yes, when you see him in the clips and the trailer, for those who haven't seen the movie, that is his real hair. He is white. You see him in the shows. You know, he colors his hair. Oh, most actors do. Let me tell you. If you don't see them in gray... And in the 50s, they do hair color. I think the best example, the best-looking guy who gets away with that is Tom Selleck on Blue Bloods. And he's like over 65, I think 67, 68. And he goes jet black in his hair. I mean, he's total white. He's like Gandalf white. And you see Arnold, they say, um, was in a helicopter sequence. And no, that's his natural hair. That's the way he actually looks like without no uh, makeup. Um, so I'm saying hair color and stuff like that. But, you know, that's part of the business. But it, it keeps it real. When I say makeup, I'm saying, you know, uh, besides the prosthetics that he's a, a wounded uh, Terminator, you know. I'm basically mentioning the hair. But here's my review on Terminator. Now, I like that. I gave it a four, eighty, a 4 out of 5. Now, some people said, well, that's kind of like overdoing it. Because they know the bad reviews. Here's the problem. Okay, I love the 485, a lot of action, a lot of more fights than, um, than uh, Arnold fights more hand-to-hand -hand combat than he did in the previous uh, movies. It was like when I mentioned, um, I posted on my, on my blog, I think yesterday or the day before, um, 
I put a uh, a video about how bad the special effects was on Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World. See, I made the mistake, J World, but it reviews it, it compares the special effects to Jurassic Park. Okay, and it mentions that the dinos were only like in 20 minutes in the movie. You know, I'm, I know a lot of people were complaining about uh, J World. There was an um, um, you know, the thing, ah, Jurassic Park was better. I had more dinosaurs and everything. On the contrary, you don't see a T-Rex until the middle of the movie, okay? Um, but in this one, um, Arnold, is, he does a lot, of, uh, a lot of fighting, and there's a lot of action. There were certain parts in the movie where said Michael Bay took over because they blow up a lot of shit, folks. <laughs> a lot of stuff gets blown up and wrecked. Um, the pacing was fantastic. Um. Okay, let me say the, the good things, and then then I get to the bad part. Okay, since I'm on that wall. Um, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, and she got one of the directors from Games of Thrones, Alan Taylor. The cast was fantastic. Even J.K. Simmons, who's not doing Skull Island with Michael Keaton, which is a shame. Both Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons are not doing Skull Island uh, about the King Kong uh, mythology, which sucks. He's in this one, where he plays in kind of a, a time traveler. An inspector, you know, he's a cop. He's been following this, so he knows this stuff uh, with the with the androids do exist, and nobody believes in that thing. He's a crack, um, or a kook, or whatever you want to say. Um, everything he had a small part. He kind of changes things around uh, near the end of the movie, you know, for the benefit of the heroes. Um, Melita Clark, she's adorable and uh, a completely different role for the Game of Thrones. Okay, um, and the funny thing is, a little trivia. A couple of other directors were so uh, were mentioned for this movie. Uh, Brent Ratner, oh, well, we know what he did with X Men. Ang Lee, we know what he did with the Hulk. And Justin Lin, well, <laughs> we do we do know what he did for the Fast and the Furious, making one of the biggest movies of all time. Uh, of course, he moved on to Star Trek. We're crossing our fingers on that one. Okay, and believe it or not, um, uh, what, what's the character's uh, uh, name? Kyle Reese? Um, no, excuse me. There were a couple of actors, I can't remember them. But for John Connor, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, that's right, Mad Max. And of course, he played, he played Bane and uh, Batman. John, uh, Tom Hardy was close to uh, getting the role, but he decided to drop out and do Mad Max instead. I think he did uh, the right choice um, because he's more popular internationally, and he didn't want to probably want to go up against uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's super very popular overseas. That's what you know. The movie is not doing good at the box office like it should. As uh, not kind of more of a disappointment uh, for the you know from the estimates that Variety's already said, but it should uh, clear in, internationally. Now. Um, and they, there's even a cute moment where they're listening to uh, headphones and you hear the Ramones, I want to be sedated. 20, 24 hours ago. Yeah, even the song is in there. Um, special effects were great. And some people found the time uh, travel kind of convoluted. Well, let me tell you, um, there's a lot of exposition. One, another critic said, well, there wasn't enough of character study. We know the characters. That's, that I'm leading up to that's the problem, okay? Um, we all know about the characters already. And um, what they decided to do was do a lot of exposition. Exposition in the beginning of the movie, the first ten minutes, credits are going. This got to be one of the longest credit sequences, you know. Editor, 
uh, Joe Schmo, cinematographer, and all of a sudden here's John Connor explaining to Calvary, so they're both in the future, and plot, 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 you know, exposition, plot details, all that, while the credits are still going. The credits go on for 10 minutes, but they wrap it up in the future, and then John Connor says, listen, you got to go back to 1984 and fix this timeline. And then for the next, uh, I think up to like 45 minutes, the next 30 minutes, you get introduced to the whole, they kind of redo the whole Terminator. And critics had a problem with that. Okay, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Now, it was the same thing like J-World. J-World people said, well, you know, they, they're duplicating a lot of stuff in the first movie, in the second movie. Yes, they did. Okay, again with the kids, again with the, the mercenaries, army lining up on the beach, okay. Uh, for example, in this movie, if you remember from Terminator 2, oh, what, what, what was the other sequence? I forget J. World. Yeah, at the end, the guy and the girl and the kids are surrounded by raptors. Of course, that happened in number three, uh, Jurassic Park number three. Okay, so there's a lot of, and some people say, is that being lazy or, or being uh, smart-ass with Easter eggs? Well, for me, I find it to be... I mean, it's a fine line. I know what you mean. It's a fine line. Being lazy, you're being smart, okay? Because J-World, even to say, I said, yeah, that's kind of cold. You're wearing a shirt saying Los Angeles uh, Park. I said, well, yeah, it's kind of my tribute. I found it on eBay, and that's kind of cold. People died. So already the movie is giving nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the original movies. This one does the same thing big time. There's a lot of nudges in here, a lot of Easter eggs. The movie knows is aware, very aware about the whole thing. Uh, for example, he fights Arnold. Remember, the movie starts in the future to go back to 1984. That is the first half of the movie. A lot of action. The, the pacing is very fast in this movie. And you saw this, the, and now I'm going to report to point in the movie, put, put the trailer. You saw the trailer? Okay. There's one good thing about this movie is the ending, which is not in the trailer. So I'm not going to even talk about the ending. But in continuation, Arnold fights Arnold. Okay, he beats the robot, and actually somebody uh, helps him fight the robot. He looks back and he gives the thumbs up. Another scene in the movie: um, the Terminator, the liquid, let's say liquid Terminator. Okay, um, is a person and somebody else takes a phone call, and the other person says, "Watch out!" and gets a blade in their throat. It's a uh, exact dupe of Terminator number two, where um, the kid is talking to the to the mother supposedly, played by uh, Jeanette Goldstein. She played uh, was it Rodriguez, um, the, la, la, the tough Latina Marine, and she played the role of the mother in Terminator two. And she gets on the phone, and the kid gets on the phone, and Terminator said, "Let me get that a phone." He gets on the phone and goes. And, yeah, Arnold turns to the kid, what's the dog's name? Oh, uh, dog's name is uh, Max. Then Arnold goes, talks to the mother, impersonating the kid's voice. Oh, what's what's wrong with Wolfie? Wolfie's barking in the background. She goes, oh, no, Wolfie's fine. And Arnold hangs up the phone and says, ah, your parents are dead. Forget it. Because they, they, apparently she, the fake look at Transformer didn't know the name of the dog. So that's how Arnold knew. But you see a shot. The camera goes to her and pans on the arm, and the arm turns into a big blade. 
and the blade is right through the guy drinking milk. Terminator 2, same thing over here. That's a shot of that. And the other one, which is in the trailer, you see Arnold holding his hand and arm, and it's all metallic. He fights the liquid guy. And he makes uh, the way that he, he, he kills him, this version of the Asian cop, this is not the ending, folks. This is just near, the, this is like the, like in the first half of the movie. Because that, that's when the big twist is going to happen. So the Asian cop is not through the whole movie. The, um, okay, so it's just 45 minutes. Arnold buzz him with acid, but he sacrifices his arm. Then the whole movie takes a, a big turn. Because people were getting really confused. What's going on over here? As a matter of fact, I posted one or two articles uh, that had some spoilers, but you, it's important you know this because the movie can get a little bit convoluted, a little bit confused. Now, I love time travel. But even I went, uh, what is Doctor Who Matt Smith doing in this movie? <laughs> they don't explain that. There's a couple of things that are really going to annoy you. Okay? Um, they, don't, they don't tell you because... A lot of his cliffhangers, and basically this movie is setting up things for the next movie. But anyway, the thing with the arm, remember um, on, um, they uh, introduced uh, uh, the black dude in Skynet, and I said, I'm an android. Let me prove it to you. Take the skin off you see the um, endoskeleton of Arnold's arm and hands. Okay? So there's a lot of tidbits like that, a lot of Easter eggs. I didn't mind that. People had a problem with that. Okay. Now, The, um, the agent liquid terminator is gone and gets replaced. Okay, you probably know this already. With another terminator, and that throws everybody off. And this, the, okay, this is the part where it's kind of a letdown. They concentrate so much on John Connor. Now, the way the movie is going to turn, the little, this little um, it ends peacefully. They win the war. But something else happens at the end. There's a, after the end credits, there's another scene that, no, it's not over. I left uh, an article if you want to know that. If you don't want to stick around for the credits. The credits are long, and then they drop that one scene. The article explains what the, and the, the credits scene. Uh, Sky Knight is, uh, Sky Knight is never or a dead, okay? Uh, and it's Matt Smith has something to do with that, okay? That article is explained. Because you're going to be, if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to read those two articles. Explain, because some people were a little bit confused and ticked off. Okay? And basically what the director said, they left cliffhangers, and basically this movie is a setup for the next one. So it's paying homage and Easter eggs to the previous series. Basically one and two. Okay? Number three, the only thing I remember in number three is you're finding the female um, a Terminator and, and bashes her over the head with the, with the bathroom sink. I'm going, oh, that, that's got to hurt. That's the only thing I remember out of the movie. Terminator for Salvation, nobody talks about. Again, it's all about uh, John Connor. Then they had some stuntmen with Arnold Space, um, you know, cover CG at the end, and that basically nobody wants to talk about that. That movie was basically a setup for merchandise. I remember seeing the art book before the movie came out. I said, okay, here's a, uh, Terminator version number one, Terminator version number two, uh, Terminator on a motorcycle, a giant Terminator, Terminator spaceship. It was all just for merchandise. That's how the movie was set up. Okay? And that's why people hate that. And that makes no sense in the timeline anyway. So basically what this movie does, it rearranges all the timelines. And it gives you alternate universe. Some people really hated that. So now they can expand in any direction. And hopefully the movie implies that we won't have to deal with John Connor no more. 
not in this sense. And that's the problem. A lot of it, is, it seems like repetition. They have to go over things to set up for the next movie. Okay? And, of course, Arnold has a big showdown with the other android. Now, I want to tell you the second half. The second half really sets up for the future movies. So people take off. It's like, ah, it kind of repeats itself and everything. The problem, we know the whole story. We have, we have Sarah Connor Chronicles on TV. We're getting tired of does Kyle Reese, Sarah, Terminator, and John Connor. Something has to switch. And the way the movie leaves you, they change the timeline where we're not going to get the same repeat repetition we had. They, I guess they had to sacrifice repetition this one to get to the next two sequels, which Arnold supposedly is going to be in the next one for sure. We don't know about the third one. But anyway, so what's going to happen with the showdown? Well, it looks like people are just going to go back and see um, uh, J-World. It's, you know, it's doing repeat business. And right now, J-World is in the top five domestically. And internationally. After this weekend, we're going to find out where it's going to be. Don't forget, uh, Fast and Furious has beaten uh, the Avengers. If you go to Box Office Mojo, they still haven't fixed that thing. According to Variety Magazine, it's official. Fast and Furious 7, or Furious 7, is the third biggest picture. It beat Avengers for about $100 million or so. Now, all that, all that is going to drop down the list anyway once uh, 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 James Bond and Star Wars comes out. But for now, J. Will is in the top five, and it should be Ultron. It should be The Avengers, and hopefully it will be tied with Fury 7. I have no, I have no problem with that. But we're going to have to find out in about another week. The next show, the numbers will come in, and where's uh, J. Will? Number five, four, or three? Okay. Um I talk about Inside Out. The problem with the Inside Out and uh, the middle of the movie just dragged for me. They went into a Picasso mode. They all looked like drawings of Picasso. I didn't like that at all. And the blue girl, sad. I'm so sad. I don't want to do anything. I'm sad. You're annoying. You're whining. Can this movie be over? And of course, had a great finale. But that middle for me sank. It didn't. It, it was not in my top ten, top five uh, Pixar movies. I said that last year, uh, week. Uh, what I put that list. Uh-oh, I misplaced that list. Um, well, well, right off the top of my head, I mentioned uh, Finding Nemo, Wally, uh, Monster University, Toy Story, and Ratatouille. Those are my top five movies. Um, okay. Um, J-Road, love the movie. I can't wait for the number two. I'll talk more about that. I did mention... Uh, um, James Horner passed away, and people ask me, composers, who are your favorite composers? Okay, favorite composers? In order of history, which means, let's start with King Kong, and the composer was Bernard Herrmann who wrote that. Okay, let's move uh, forward to the 60s. Uh, Neo Morricone, he's probably best known for the Spaghetti Westerns. As a matter of fact, another director uh, who did also a lot of... Um, um, Spaghetti Westerns passed away uh, yesterday. I forgot his name. I'll, I'll post that for Monday's uh, blog. Third one was James Horner, who just passed away. Um, Apollo 13, Braveheart, of course, Titanic, and I mentioned Battle Beyond the Stars. But there's a movie I forgot to mention. He got it started with Roger Corman. Um, the picture was called The Lady in Red. Louis Fletcher, who's uh, got Academy Award for, um, for uh, Nurse Fletcher, was that? Something like that. Um, 
One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Pamela Sue Mountain. She was the cutie pie in the original Poseidon Adventure in 1972. Robert Conrad, uh, he had a TV show called Bye Bye Black Sheep. Anyway, um, he started, his first really uh, composing thing was Lady in Red, and a lot of articles did not mention that. Okay. And, of course, he went to do A Battle Beyond the Stars, and, of course, so some of those snippets wind up in Star Trek about the con. Okay. Um, talk about Star Trek. The next composer, Jerry Goldsmith, he wrote the theme song for Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay? And last but not least, there's other five, but these are the five that are most influential. Um, because one composer is a really personal favorite of mine. He wrote the best um, James Bond soundtracks, and that is John Barry. John Barry, he did... Dr. No, all the way through Diamond Top Forever, he, he came back and did, I think the last one was Man with the Golden Gun. Okay, so he's a personal favorite. He did also Born Free, he did Dancing with Rules, so many films that he did. So he's a personal favorite, mainly because of James Bond, but I'm going to have my own tribute when I do the James Bond, um, my, my top 10 James Bond films, which is coming soon. Number one, John Williams' Star Wars. Many because every character in the original Star Wars soundtrack had a different theme. Uh, same thing with Empire Strikes Back, when it concentrated more on Darth Vader and everybody else. Uh, Big Cloud City. He wrote individual themes. It's like a greatest hits of different themes for the Star Wars. If you listen to the Star Wars uh, soundtrack, it's not one theme that keeps being repetition over and over again with variations on it. He actually composed all complete different themes, a Luke's theme, Leia's theme, Han Solo theme, Darth Vader theme, uh, the big uh, fight at the end theme, the grand uh, opening theme, of course, Star Wars. Then the grand finale had a different theme going on. So, so that's why I was really influenced by John Williams. And, of course, when I grew up, uh, Lost in Space. Da, 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 da. Forward Show of a Bottom of the Sea. I think he did that one. Um... He did some, a, a lot of TV soundtrack, believe it or not, before he went into movies. One of my favorite themes was uh, John Williams did the theme for the Poseidon Adventure. Remember I mentioned Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, Earthquake? My top five Earthquake movies included also Airport. I mentioned that on another, another show. My favorite disaster movies of all time. Okay? That's also my top five. Now, I'm going to do a show on talk show radio, and I'm going to be doing a greatest hits of my top five of everything. I'm going to be the end of, I'm going to be, it's going to be like a big wrap-up. Um, that should be somewhere in the middle of the summer, near the end of the summer. It will be for Talk Show Radio. Right now, every show that's coming on now, I will have a top five list of some sort. Um, and the last but not least, George played, um, you know, his anniversary in the theaters. Not much was said because J-Well J- J- just kind of buried it. And... Again, music by uh, John Williams, and it goes down in history as the most recognizable theme with only two notes. And you don't know how to play the piano? Just go to with two keys next to each other and do that back and forth. It's, I believe the key is an E and F major. Back and forth. And as Eva Spielberg says, that's too simple. It works. So John Williams goes down in history as one of the most famous compositions for a movie score using only two notes. <sighs> of course, the, the rest of the thing goes da-da-da, but that's besides the point. The intro, two notes. There used to be a show 
name this song in seven notes. Name this song in five notes. And sometimes the contestants will name a song when you're only using three notes. They will play the intro of a song. Some, some people will get it in three hours. Name that tune. I think that's it. That's it. Name that tune. And some people would know the song within three or four notes. And uh, the heat, well, gentleman goes down for two notes. Okay, so I included some reviews, um, some trivia. What's another trivia I wanted to say? Um, well, okay, now I can make my announcements. I'm waiting for the English lady to come up. Perfect timing, honey. She just interrupted me. Okay, saying I only got 90 seconds. Anyway, here we go. Box up a showdown. I'm, I didn't mess with Magic Mike because no way. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, Dinos, Terminators, that's what I'm into. Sorry. Um, I saw the first one. I didn't think anything of it. Many because my ex-girlfriend wanted to see it, and I, I got stuck with that one. And I said, you know, if I'm free, I'm not going to see number two. But um, we're going to have the final list. Now, somebody said, you mentioned dinosaur. Where's your dinosaur list? We're going to celebrate J-World when it breaks the top five, which it is right now this weekend. And when it lands like number four or three, I'm going to pull out my dinosaur list. Okay, everybody, VigilantExpress.com. Uh, or just, you can just Google VigilantExpress so you see the shows that we've been doing on MNN on our YouTube page, and also you can find my blog page. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll have another show next week with the uh, with a big box office uh, wrap up. <laughs> That's about it. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody, and don't forget to be aware of my blog. <laughs> Make sure you turn into the blog. That's how it has all the links to the radio shows and all the news and articles that I've been posting. Okay, everybody. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.